Hello, church. My name is Ricky Slayhuger. I've been following the Lord for 26 years. He threw me into a ministry of deliverance, and it's been quite a trip. So I'm here to read the uh, Bible. The, I have King James. It's Habakkuk 3, 1 through 15. A prayer for Habakkuk, a prophet upon Signal. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. O God, came from Timon and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens and the earth. His full was full of his praise, and his brightness was as the light. He had horns coming out of his hand, and there was the hiding of his power. Before him went the pestilence, and the burning coals went forth at his feet. He stood and measured the earth. He beheld and drove us under the nations, and the everlasting mountains were scattered the perpetual hills did bow. His ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Kershon in affliction, and the curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was the Lord displeased against the rivers? Was thy anger against the rivers? Was thy wrath against the sea that thou did make, thou didst ride upon thy horses and thy chariots of salvation. Thy bow was made quite naked according to the oaths of the tribes, even the word, Selah. Thou didst cleave the earth with rivers. The mountains saw thee, and they trembled, and overflowing of the water passed. The deep uttered his voice and lifted up his hands on high. The sun and the moon stood still in their habitation. At the light of thy arrows thy, they went, and at the shining of thy glittering spear. Thou didst march through the land in indignation. Thou didst thresh the, the heathen in anger. Thou went forth for the salvation of thy people, even for salvation with thy anointed. Thou woundest the head of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundations unto the neck. Thou didst strike through with the staves the head of the villages. They came out as a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was as to devour the poor secretly. Thou didst walk through the sea and thy horses through the heap of the great waters. Habakkuk 3, 1 through 15. Thanks, Ricky. So Habakkuk, we are in week eight, and we are going to spend another week or two in this short three-chapter book. And something that we do so often is we rush through things. We, we read through passages of Scripture really quickly, and part of this heart was just to sit, to slow, to realize that too, in our darkness, often that hope is just that small light that we just stand and we wait in. Habakkuk 
prays this prayer, and this is a prayer of remembrance. It's a prayer where he taps into his memories because memories are key to us as humans. They help shape us. It helps us remember who we are. It helps us make sense of the action we're taking and action we should take in life. Memories tell us who we're connected to and and who we're not connected to. Memories frame stories that we tell about ourselves. Sometimes those get exaggerated, right? But it tells us what we've done in life and what others have as well. Some memories we hold on to just dearly. Maybe the birth of a child, your wedding day, your salvation. You hold on to these dearly. Other memories you wish you could forget. Some sort of news that you got. Abuse that you've experienced. Hurt that's been caused. And other memories we need just to help us move forward. The 19th century Spanish philosopher George Santayana is credited with saying a, a famous quote that has been uh, changed a bit over the years. But what he said was, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. His argument was is that we just keep going in this cycle again and again and again, and we're just going to live within this unless we recognize it and we better ourselves and we better the world around us. That's how we truly move forward. In Habakkuk, this prayer is a prayer of remembrance. In fact, Scripture tells us over 250 times that we are to remember. And why are we to remember? Because we forget, right? This is why the Lord said it again and again and again. Remember this, remember this, remember this. And this is the importance of remembering. It's the importance where in this passage, Habakkuk is pointing to God's rescue, history that God has saved the Israelites from, saved Judah from. In these short 15 verses, he tells stories just in brief comments from Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and Joshua. He talks about Moses and Mount Sinai, the victory over Egypt, wilderness, plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, the battle at Gibeon, all in these short verses. Habakkuk is saying, you were faithful then, you're going to be faithful in the future. Again, as a reminder, as we've talked through this, we need to remember what God has done. We remember it from scripture. We remember it from prayer. We remember it from the gathering together, the importance of coming together. We remember through the Lord's Supper. We remember what Jesus did on the cross. We remember the lives impacted by those bulbs. We remember. As I encouraged you last week, as a way to give praise and a way to remember is what God has done and who God is. This you are, fill in the blank, or God, you have done these certain things. God, you are amazing. God, you're awesome. You're you're savior. God, you have done. What are the things that God has done? In Habakkuk 1, Habakkuk begins this book with this lament, this, this thing of saying, God, you are from everlasting. God, you are eternal. You are pure. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. God knew these things, but some of this is this reminder for himself of, God, you are faithful. And he knows that God will act again because he's acted in the past. And in verses 12 through 15, we see in verse 12 where he says, you strode or you marched through the earth. God, do it again. You threshed or trampled the nations. God, do it again. You came out to deliver, to save. Do it again. You crushed. Do it again. You pierced. Do it again. You trampled. Do it again. If you remember, the enemy is coming. This army that will, will send people into exile will 
destroy many others. He's saying, do it again. And the greatest victory that has ever taken place, though, is on the cross. The cross was a place of shame, of embarrassment. It was a place where it seemed that plans had gone wrong. That Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, that it seemed in that moment that everything was no longer true. But rather at the cross, as we look back at it, as we see what God intended for it, we realize that it's a doorway to life and life to the full. It's a place where hope shines. It's a place of strength and mercy and victory. It's a place of new beginnings and celebration and triumph. Paul said it this way to the church at Galatia. He said, may I never boast, never boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, this is the thing I lean on. This is what I'm all about. This is where I celebrate, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He said, I'm laying my life down. All the things that were important or seem important, it's all about Jesus. It's all about the cross. Here is where everything changed. Now, when Habakkuk lived, Habakkuk did not know of the cross, did not know of Jesus, but he knew of a coming Messiah. And maybe he would have read Isaiah's prophecy from the 53rd chapter that talked about a suffering servant who would come to heal the wounds, heal us by his wounds. He had clues, he had an idea of what this could be, but it was only clues. And Habakkuk in chapter three, verse two, said, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. Make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Now, this last phrase, in wrath, remember mercy. So often what we do is when we look at the word wrath, we think of uncontrolled anger. If someone is wrathful, they are just, going at it there, just out of control. And that may be human wrath, but it's not divine wrath. And as Habakkuk prayed, in your wrath, remember mercy. He was pointing to this divine wrath. And what divine wrath is, it is the right and righteous response to sin from God. Divine wrath is the right and righteous response to sin. Paul wrote it this way. He said, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Whereas Jesus came and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, the wrath of God is being revealed for people who suppress the truth, suppress Jesus, suppress the way, suppress life by wickedness, by sin. Now, God's wrath is ultimately a response to those that suppress the way, the truth, and the life. And we as humans have individual choice. And our choices have consequences. If one continues to re reject the divine calling to righteousness, wrath is the natural result. There's not neutral spiritual ground. It's kind of like we sometimes see like, oh, there's the mercy of God, there's the forgiveness of God, there's, there's team God, and then there's divine wrath and punishment, the opposite. And you know what? I'm going to hang out here. I'm going to kind of bounce. I'm going to lean this way. I'm not like fully in, but I'm going I'm to be here. Now, it's either in the mercy of God, covered by his grace for being forgiven, or it's the experience of wrath. There's not neutral spiritual ground. The psalmist said it this way. There's a blessed life and a wicked life. The psalmist said in Psalm 1, verse 1, blessed, 
meaning the favor or abundant life rooted in God, is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or stand, uh, excuse me, or sit in the company of mockers, but those whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. So he's saying there's this blessed reality in the mercy of God being forgiven. And then there's a shift in verse four. Not so the wicked. They let shaft that, that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So what the psalmist is saying, what the Lord is saying is that you have a choice. Make it. You have a choice. You can live whatever way you so choose. It's free will. In a way, that's a gift from God. And God's not saying you have to love me, you have to receive my love, you have to receive my forgiveness. You don't have to. It's a choice. But if you don't make this choice, there's another choice. The team at the Bible Project, which is just a great theological group, they, they wrote this. They said, the biblical authors want us to see that God's anger is always a response to human betrayal and evil. And it's expressed through handing humans over to the logical consequences of their decisions. In other words, God's anger is expressed by giving humans what they want, or at least what they've chosen. And if what we've chosen is ruin and death, then that's what we'll get. Paul said in Romans chapter 3, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But we're not left there. But there is a cost. A couple chapters later, he said, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there is a gift. There's a payment for the sin. There's a choice. There's a response, a, a reaction of the choice of sin. It's death. But there's a gift, and it's eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, Christmas is coming. I think you're aware of that as there's already conversations that Christmas begins in November 1st. And you know what I think about that? That's what I think of that. <laughs> wow, I just created a debate. You can talk about that afterwards. Just argue with each other on the way out when Christmas begins. October what? I heard October or something. No, wrong. All right. <laughs> so Christmas is coming. And you may receive gifts. You may give gifts, right? And so if I had a gift here for Gloria, and, and I said, Gloria, this is for you. You have, to, oh, thank you. You just receive it gladly and with such kindness. Is that she has two choices, right? She can receive that gift, or she can say, no, thanks. But the gift is there. And this is the reality, is that the wages of sin is death. There's payment for that sin. There's a result of that sin. But there's also a gift from God that he's saying, here's Jesus. I've given him to you. You can receive this gift or not. Your choice. It's not forced upon anyone. It is not forced upon you. But if we don't receive that gift, there's the wrath of God, which is 
spoken of, of over 160 times in Scripture. And the reality is, is the, the, the wages of sin is death, that sin is fundamentally self-destructive. The psalmist gave us a way to live the, reflecting on the goodness of God. God said, here's the way, and the psalmist laid it out, this blessing. Or we can choose sin, which is self-destructive. And there's consequences of sin here and now and consequences eternal. And we still may point to the Lord and be like, how, is, how does this mercy of God and this divine wrath, how, how is this contained and what that, that reality is? That in order to experience mercy of God, there has to be a divine wrath. There's this clashing that comes together at the cross and the cross makes a way for us to experience mercy. And in 2 Peter, it says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Some of you grew up with a view of God that God was just looking for people to punish. And maybe you've seen him as this like grumpy grandfather or this like cosmic killjoy. And as soon as you do something wrong, there's this punishment the Lord is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The psalmist said it this way, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Slow to anger, rich in love. For some Christians, that's a hard thing to swallow too because you want God's wrath on certain people. Like, you're never going to really say that out loud. But you're like, God punished that person. You want a quick response. You want a quick punishment. I was like, nope, the Lord is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and rich in love. This is, this is God. The Lord has come and he's given you life and life to the full. John said it this way, or Jesus said it this way in John. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So if there is loss, if there is destruction in your life, the enemy's working. I just said something to someone in the hallway out there is that, is that Division is one of the greatest tools the enemy has, and he will try to divide people. He will try to divide Christians against one another. This is the enemy working to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus is saying, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is the gift that God is giving through Jesus, saying, hey, walk in this way. But yet we're so tempted to walk in so many different ways. I love how N.T. Wright says this, he says, when God looks at sin, what he sees is what a violin maker would see if the player were to use his lovely creation as a tennis racket. God's like, no, I gave you this, and you're, no, this heartache. Like as parents, if our kids are they're like, here, here's this, kids. No, nope, we're doing it this way. It's like, oh, oh, there's so much more. The Lord is gracious. 
Paul said it this way in 1 Timothy. He said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. I love Paul. He's just really blunt sometimes. It's just like, I am a mess. And God came to save me. You know what? That is a beautiful prayer. Don't hide behind shame. Just with God. It's like, God, I am a mess. Thank you that you came to save me. Thank you for your forgiveness. Yep, I don't have things together. I'm not gonna pretend I have things together. But you know what? My heart is for you, Jesus. I wanna follow after you. Paul said this in Romans 5. He talked about how Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. And then in verse 9, he says, since we have now been justified, being made right in God's eyes by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? We're saved from God's wrath because of Jesus. We are reconciled to God because of faith. And Habakkuk cried out, in your wrath, remember mercy. In this mess, remember mercy. He sent Jesus. And then there's this really famous passage. You might have heard it once before. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him, believes in him, shall not perish, because God doesn't want anyone to perish. Belief in him, but have eternal life. And then the next verse, which is essential. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world again, So many of us have grown up thinking like, that's why Jesus came, is to condemn, to point this up. No, 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 no. To save the world, that is his heart. We need to confess sin, yes. But he's here to save us. And then you skip ahead a few verses in verse 36, it says this. Whoever believes in the Son, believes in Jesus, has eternal life. There you go. It's belief. It's faith. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life. Again, no spiritual neutral ground. Believe in Jesus or reject Jesus. No neutral ground. One or the other. God's wrath remains on them. But in Romans again, it says, since we have been justified, being made right because of faith, because of belief, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. By faith, we're justified. By faith, we have peace with God through Jesus. By faith, we stand in grace. By faith, we've gained access. We embrace this mercy that's given to us. So what do we remember? What do we recall? Because memories, they shape us. They form us. They help us make sense and take action in our present moment. Memories tell us who we're connected to, who we have faith and trust in, and who we're not. Memories frame the stories that we tell about ourselves and what we've done in life. The psalmist said this, For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. The Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. 
So he did it then, he can do it again. God, you did it then, do it again. God, you were faithful then, do it again. God, your grace and your mercy poured out, do it again. So we want to pause for a moment. And I want you to reflect on one or two of these questions, and I apologize if you can't read this real well, is the first part is, have I been reconciled to Jesus as my Savior by confessing my sin and my need for him? From, from death to life, from the wrath of God to the mercy of God. Have I placed my trust in the finished work that Jesus did on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection? And will I today begin my walk with him as both Savior and Lord of my life? Or maybe you've not been walking with him and you're like, today's my day. I'm starting up again. Or the second question, consider where you have witnessed God's faithfulness and thank God for that faithfulness. In what way are you trusting and leaning on his faithfulness today? You did it then, do it again. You did it then, do it again. And take a moment to reflect, rest in, give thanks to God. Ask God to show you what step he's wanting you to take today or truth to believe. So would you pause? Would you reflect or pray or listen or whatever it may be in these few moments? And then what we're gonna do is we are gonna proclaim and sing a song um, as we close here. So would you take a moment to pray?